Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Merry Christmas to all of you this morning. It's so good to see you all here. You do realize that uh, you get extra uh, blessings when you get to heaven if you came to church on Sunday morning, uh, Christmas. Uh, I've been told by somebody that that's a fact. But, uh, but no. Uh, no, 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 no extra credit at all. Jesus is enough, and uh, he's the one who saves us and loves us so very much. I am delighted to be back in Namibia. Uh, we love Namibia. This is our home. We've just come back from the United States uh, visiting uh, our family, who is just continuing to increase the number of grandchildren that uh, Dan and I are blessed to have and enjoy. We are now at 12 grandchildren, and let me tell you, people, grandparents count. Yeah. Yeah. 12, 12 grandchildren. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing. We went very specifically back to the States to see these new children that were part of our family. And so we started off uh, visiting with uh, our number three child who they just adopted twin girls. And the girls are probably about five months old. And we had seen them right after they were born. Uh, we were there earlier, but then uh, this going back was about that age, five months when kids uh, have, you know, attached to 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 uh, their parents and everyone else is a stranger. Uh, I've worked on this this morning. I'd like to show you the my greeting uh, from my twin granddaughters. This was their greeting to me, their, their beautiful, wonderful grandfather that they love so much. This was how they said hello to me for the first time. Ah! That was, that was their, that was their greeting. It was real special. It took, it took time, but over, over time they warmed up to us and decided we were family after all. We moved from there to uh, as quickly as we could because we heard that our, our daughter-in-law was had been rushed to the hospital and was about to give birth. And so we rushed from a little town in Texas called Houston and up we went up to Texarkana, a smaller town. And uh, we went to the hospital to see the arrival of Ruby Joy Bullington, grandchild number 12. This is amazing. I'm not had the privilege of, of seeing newborn uh, since uh, our son was born. And so uh, the father of Ruby Joy was the last time I've seen a baby just, just freshly born. It was incredible. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, our hearts are full and uh, just was absolutely more than I could have ever asked for. We've already had a Merry Christmas. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Our son, youngest son, and his wife had asked us, that's the reason why we went back, is to help them after the birth of, of their, their daughter. Uh, to, to help them uh, through this new one uh, who was entering into the house and creating all kinds of chaos. It's amazing what a little newborn baby can do to a family. Uh, nothing is the same after this child comes into the house. I, uh, as I held Ruby Joy uh, in my, my, my hands, she's tiny, so I can hold her just like this and look at her. I was struck by the, uh, just the, the fragility of how we begin. Uh, all of us have been that size. Uh, maybe some bigger than others, but we've all been at least, you know, completely, totally helpless uh, sitting in someone's hands. And uh, I couldn't help but, but think about how incredible uh, it is that that's how we all begin. And, 
and that's how this child, I, as I held her, I, I, I started thinking about uh, who am I holding? Um, am I holding, you know, some future leader, some world changer, as I'm holding in my hands, uh, this amazing uh, changer of the world? And I couldn't help but uh, think about that this is how our Savior started his life uh, on this planet, was in the hands of, of, of a human, so vulnerable, so dependent. You think about all the different things. Uh, in Ruby Joy's case, uh, she was jaundiced because she was born early. Her you know, organs weren't fully developed, so she, was, uh, she started turning yellow. Because the body just couldn't process all the stuff that needed to come out of her body, and then uh, you know that's just that's just one hurdle. Then there's many many others. Uh, you know RSV, the flu, uh, COVID, all these things that these little babies are vulnerable to. Bronchitis. Uh, my other granddaughter, Ruby Joy's sister Ellis, was suffering from a bronchial a, a bronchial infection, and uh, she has quite the sense of humor. So. She thought it was funny that she could sneeze on the baby and on Dana and then thought that was funny. Uh, uh, you know, these children are dangerous to their siblings when they're that young. Yeah. So there's the real, there's a real danger. These underage kids uh, that are the brother, the siblings of these newborn babies, they want to hug and kiss and hold this child, and, but they don't have the motor skills enough to, to be able to, to really do it well uh, without killing this newborn child. Um, so you're always monitoring the, the brothers and sisters who want to hold a new baby to make sure they don't kill this newborn child. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Chad and I, just after Ruby Joy was, uh, was born, ran off to a grocery store, to a, a department store to buy some supplies for this new baby. And on the way, he said, Pop, he said, I'm so sick and tired of people telling us that this is the easy stage of life, this newborn. He says, for the first, he said, Pop, for the first two months, of baby's life, I'm just trying to keep this thing alive. I said, yeah, I, I understand. That's how I felt about you. Uh, newborn babies are fragile. They're vulnerable. And you're overcome when you hold these new ones with the reality of their fragility. The Savior of the world uh, came into the world this way. Uh, fragile Dependent. But you know, Mary and Joseph knew who they were holding. What anxiety they must have felt. Just think about this. Tasked with taking care of, of such a treasure. Imagine if you could say, I'm holding in my hands the Savior of the world. They, they must have wondered if they were going to be enough to protect the Messiah. The Savior of all nations. We know the story. Jesus grows up in their care. They become, and then he becomes ultimately their caretaker, their savior. How amazing that God entrusts his son to us. A treasure lying in helpless, breakable, unreliable humanity. The message of Christmas is that God becomes vulnerable, helpless flesh as a newborn baby and entrusts himself to mortal man to raise and care for. It's amazing. Raised by man and ultimately killed by man. The now risen Savior still places himself into fragile vessels that are desperate in desperate need of his care. That, that's Christmas.
I, I asked this morning, and I want you to ask this too, why indeed did God and why does God still do it like this? Why does he entrust himself into fragile humanity? I, I think it's amazing. Reason number one, I think, is so that we will know that this great power that we have as his children truly is from him and not from us. I, I, that contrast, we need to see the contrast of his greatness and our weakness and our fragility. But I also believe the greater reason is that because he loves us. Simple, simply that. Because he loves us. He entrusts the treasure of himself into uh, our fragile, broken selves in order to save us. I, I think Paul explained this better than I can. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7 says this. He talks about this incredible treasure that we carry as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. He talks about as, as children of God. We have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And he goes on to say, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and, and not from ourselves. We live with this beautiful contrast because we're always aware because of our fragility, because we are jars of clay. We see the greatness of God and we need that. Oh, how we need the clarity of who he is and who we are not. We desperately need this clarity in our lives. I've given you this morning, uh, just because we felt like it, uh, Ziploc bags with clay. If you have those, and if you're so brave, you can, if you want to get your hands dirty, you can open them up and uh, play with it, or you can just form something through the Ziploc bags. Uh, it's entirely up to you. Um, but ultimately, when these, when these, this clay catches air, it will dry and form and, and part into whatever you want. Uh, if you do play with the clay, uh, we have provided for you baby wipes in the back uh, for you to clean your hands afterwards. All right. So if you want to, if you want to play with that, please feel free to. Uh, we want to make this children friendly. Children, do not eat the clay. The beauty of Christmas is that Christ, the treasure, entrusts himself to broken humanity and changes them, saves them, saves them. And we carry with us this incredible, beautiful treasure. The history of man is one lesson after another that we are not enough to get anything right or on our own. We can do nothing without it. And so we need this reminder that we are clay and he is treasure. The verses preceding Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7, is, uh, 5 and 6, this is what Paul says making a clear statement of, of how great God is and how we are just clay. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. Paul said, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not, I'm not going to preach about me because I'm clay. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has, has made light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 goes on to say, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. I want you to see what Paul continues to say in this letter in verse 8. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. Should we sing it together? We get knocked knocked down, but we are not destroyed. In verse 10, he continues, Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. And see the so that there. You see it on there? So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We live with this beautiful contrast. We need it. So we are clay so that the treasure can truly shine, so that the treasure can truly be seen. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Oh, how we need the contrast, right? We need this contrast because we are never enough. We're not designed to be enough. We must have this treasure in us to be to have life, to live, to function. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And surely this morning we know how strange this is, correct? None of us place treasures into broken things. We always place our treasures in in safe places, strong places, places that we want to protect. Recently I, I purchased a uh, a Hinty Burger photograph. You know Hinty Burger, the photographer is a very famous Namibian photographer. He sells landscape pictures. You can see them at the Arts and Crafts Center. Uh, we, we love Hinty and we love his work. And so I bought a, a landscape picture for my parents where they celebrated one of their birthdays. And we packed this in a suitcase as safely as we could. And they're not cheap and, and flew this to the United States and pulled it out of my suitcase. And then the first thing we did was my father and I went to a framing store with the picture and spent about an hour trying to select the appropriate beautiful frame for this picture. The frame was more expensive than the picture. And this is still hanging in my parents' house today. Every time I'm there, I'm amazed by it. It's just absolutely beautiful. The picture and the frame are absolutely gorgeous. The alternative for, for us was to just to pull the picture out and get sticky tack, right? And stick it on the back and just shove it against the wall. I have, I have pictures like that on my wall, by the way. Have you done that? Take this beautiful picture and just put sticky stuff on the back and smash it on the wall. That's not my parents' style. But we place, we're used to placing something precious into something that is uh, unbreakable, right? Placing something precious, wonderful into something that's safe and protecting. This is not how God works, though. God has very intentionally placed something precious into something that is breakable that is vulnerable, that is unreliable, lost, and selfish. But that's exactly what God did with his son. The Christmas story really is this from day one. It's Mary, who's more than likely a teenager and a woman. God decides to to first come through the, the things that the world did not appreciate, that the world usually reject. Mary, a woman, is (laughs) receives Jesus Christ into her body before she's married. And so in the eyes of the world, she's she's immoral. This is how Jesus chooses to come into the world. Joseph, because he was a good man who was engaged to Mary, decides uh, to 
get rid of her privately so that she would not be disgraced publicly. An angel appears to him in a dream and tells him not to be afraid. And so Joseph marries Mary anyway. Don't you wonder how people spoke of them after they were married? There was no room in the inn, right? And so Jesus was born in stables and then laid into a manger, a feeding trough for animals. He was born in Bethlehem, a no-count town. Born people, a helpless baby, needy of a human mother. Can you pause with me just for a moment and think about how crazy that is? That the Savior of the world starts off like that. It's God's plan. It's this picture, though, of what he does to us and for us. He, he comes to us who are breakable and who are lost, and he invests himself, the treasure, into us so that he can transform us. We are jars of clay. God exposes our weakness, and so we'll know that he is in contrast to who we are not. Uh, you should be done with your, close to your, done with your, one-year reading plan, Bible reading plan. We're nearing the end. Um, I know some of you count the days. You're happy about those days, faithfully reading those days. I'm, I'm towards the end now, and uh, the last couple of months, uh, I, I couldn't help but notice as I've been reading through the last part of the Old Testament and the last part of the New Testament, uh, I've just been deeply moved by this statement over and over again. God will say something, that some judgment or some blessing he's, He's giving to the to the nation of Israel or to some king or whatever. And, and, and always the, the end of the story follows up with, then you will know that I am the Lord. Have you, have you noticed that as you've been reading through Scripture? Over and over again, God is saying, I'm doing this so that you will know that I am the Lord. In the book of Ezekiel alone, that you will know that I am the Lord occurs over 50 times. I'm doing this so that you will know that I am the Lord. This is the pattern and, and character of our God. He brings the treasure of himself into humanity so we can see the contrast. Over and over again, he reaches to, to lost humanity and pulls them out of the brink of disaster and gives them life. And you can't help but see the contrast. This was true of the Apostle Paul, right? And Paul, Paul says this. He says that because of how, what a bad sinner he was, he's constantly aware of what he's been saved from and who God is and who he is not. 2 Corinthians 9, he talks about, Paul talks about this idea, this wonderful revelation from God. He says, to keep him from becoming proud, he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Paul goes on to say, I, I begged God three different times to take it away. And God kept saying to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My power works best in weakness. This is the pattern and the character and the plan of God is to bring his greatness into weakness because it's in that kind of environment where, where his power can really shine, where it's not limited in any way by, by the pride of humanity, by the love of self, 
is that he can shine. This is what Paul concluded in 2 Corinthians 9, in the last part of verse 10. He says, for when I am weak, say it with me, then I am strong. If I'm a jar of clay, then I can truly worship the treasure. If I understand I'm a jar of clay, I can truly see the treasure that is within. Oh, how blessed we are. We jars of clay, that we get to receive the treasure of Jesus Christ. We're so prone to pride. Pride leads to self-reliance, but we are clay. We can't do things well on our own. We are messes at almost everything, especially living. God uses weakness to reveal his power so that we will depend on him because we need him. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. This makes it clear that this, that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. This is important. I want you to see one last confession here from Paul. This is in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. And Paul says, I'm the what? I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience to even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive life. Paul was very aware that he was the worst of all. And therefore, Christ had come and saved him. The treasure had been brought to Paul so that others could also have this life. So why does God place treasure into us? So that we will understand that we need him. So that we will run to him. So that we will find life. But the greater reason is because he loves us. Jesus, now the risen Savior, no longer fragile and venerable, Makes his home in our hearts, right? We're still like Mary and Joseph, weak and breakable, but home to the greatest treasure in history. How extraordinary. That God entrusts himself to jars of clay in order to save the jars. What an amazing God we serve. The surpassing power truly belongs to him and not to us. We, the jars, hold this treasure, Jesus. It's mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name will be called, what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, because God loves us, he is willing to sin, become human, to become flesh, to come invest in us, so that we can be saved. That's what Matthew 1 says, right? It's a Christmas story. Verse 21, Matthew 1, 21. And she'll have a son, and you are to name him what? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what it says in Luke chapter 2. When the, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, what an amazing, amazing, amazing story. The shepherds are watching their flock at night, and all of a sudden there's these hosts of angels around them. The Bible tells us they were terrified. Of course they were. Can you just imagine what this must have been like? And then I start singing. 
or just a vision, they actually had voice. Unbelievable. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. It says Luke chapter 2. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Wow. What an amazing moment. God comes to us, humanity, broken, unreliable, and says, Here. I give you myself, the perpetrator, to change your life forever. The fact is, is that God is not impressed with our humanity. Although he made us, that's not what pleases God. It's what pleases us very often is our own strength and our own power, but it's not what pleases God. We desperately need him. We are these jars of clay. We are weak, and we need the treasure of Jesus Christ to transform our lives. The writers of Scripture knew this. Psalms 147, verse 10 says this, that God takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. Isn't that awesome? God takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. If you would bring this to today, say, God takes no pleasure in my Toyota. <laughs> God takes no pleasure in my Mitsubishi, Pete. God takes no pleasure in the things that I think are wonderful and powerful, especially not in my human mind. No, the Lord's delight, and catch this, people, catch this this morning. The Lord's delight is those who fear him, those who put their hope in what? His unfailing love. Wow. The Lord's delight is in those who hope in his unfailing love. Christmas, and the message of Christmas is that Jesus so loved us, that he brought himself, who was perfect, without sin, into broken humanity and places himself, the treasure, into jars of clay. That's incredible. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? While we were still sinners. For our sake, Christ made him to be sin who had no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. You see, the message of Christmas is that God becomes vulnerable, helpless flesh as a newborn baby, entrusts himself to mortal man to raise and care for. Raised by man, killed by man, Jesus, now the risen Savior, no longer fragile, no longer vulnerable, makes his home in our fragile and desperate hearts. Incredible. May we have some level of understanding this season of our jar-likeness and understand the treasure that is Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. This morning, more importantly, we thank you that you love us. Lord, thank you for coming to us. Thank you for taking that first step. Thank you for humbling yourself. Thank you, Lord, for not rejecting us at our point of need. 
Thank you that we are your family this morning. Thank you, God, that you continue to be the treasure. We continue to be the clay. But, Father, we know you are molding us. You are making us to who you want us to be. Father, we praise you this morning that someday you will present us perfect before your Father. We thank you for the incredible, precious gift of your Son. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.